0: what's up wrestling fans trading card collectors welcome to another episode of wrestling with cards the podcast i'm your host zan morning you can check me out on social platforms at zan morning today is part two of my interview with mike summer if you didn't listen to part one make sure you go back and check that episode out and in this week's episode part two we're talking a lot about financial-related hobby topics, stuff like investing in sports cards, how to fund your PC, and much more. But before we jump into part two, just a few reminders of how you can help support my content. Make sure to check out my YouTube channel, Wrestling With Cards. Make sure to check out the other podcast I'm involved with, Worlds Collide, myself and Tony Vella from WrestlingTradyCards.com. And check out the links in the show notes to the YouTube channel, and the podcast I spoke of, but also links to Patreon, my eBay store, all my social platforms, Spotify, and much more. And speaking of that, I'm sure you've learned a lot. And you know, the information that you're giving us today is hopefully going to help some others get motivated to go down this path. It's not for everybody. But if even if you have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit within you, and you're collecting, hopefully this will help you out. So as you're going through your back room, and you've got all these cards after you've, you know, you've been financially responsible enough previously to be able to afford to buy this out and have all of this stuff without putting yourself in a bind or your family in a bind going yep. through those cards. What are, what are you learning as a, as a shop owner? So you're buying and selling, what are you learning going through these boxes as far as like things that, you know, missed opportunities. I know you had a binder. I believe I saw on social media where it had some like Durant cards and uh, Giannis cards in there does that ring a bell
1: yeah sorry you cut out there you said uh, a binder of durant cards and then it cut out
0: okay i'll just start from this and i can edit that out okay i think there's some weird internet issues somehow but um so i think i saw recently on social media you had a binder that had durant cards and like a Giannis card in it so that's something that people just kind of threw away because they consider junk I talk a lot about wrestling cards or other kind of pop culture cards people think are junk. As you're going through all of this process, just what can people learn? I know it's kind of a broad question, but there's a lot to, I think there's a lot to unpack within what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing I want to hit on something else that you had said there. Yeah, I had fortunately been in a situation where I had made enough money throughout the early part of 2020 and had some other money set aside in savings that I was able to use to make this purchase. I did not go into any kind of debt to be able to buy out um, this shop and, and to kind of take this upon myself. And so um, let me cut you
0: off for one second. You're also not buying $1,500 boxes of Don Russ either. Go ahead.
1: Correct. Correct. (laughs) I am not, I am not doing that at this point either. So, so what are the things, what are the biggest takeaways, you know, one is, I will always tell people to don't just chase the hot thing. You know, look where other people aren't necessarily focusing their attention. And that led to a lot of the types of of cards that I've got. You know, you talked about that binder and that binder was made up. Those, those were all part of collections that I purchased before this massive run-up we've seen. You know, that Giannis yeah. rookie was not... a six or seven hundred dollar card or whatever it was at that point it was like a ten dollar card you know when it was a part of these collections but people weren't paying attention to base cards then right nobody cared about base cards at that point and so these were just lumped in to everything else and that's that's something that i think i would stress to everybody is if you want to start to do this do some research and investigate some of these types of things that aren't necessarily what's hot at the moment but have potential to continue to grow into that. The other thing that I've learned is not everything is going to have its true potential realized right away when it's brand new. And so the you know I've uncovered boxes of cards that were, you know, a, a monster box full of older baseball product for, of prospects from five or six years ago. And some of those cards in there were thrown in this monster box as a bunch of commons because at the time they were. But right. in five or six years, those prospects developed and became stars. And so now I might find a, a stack of 10 or 15 or 20 of this card that was worth a penny legitimately yeah. five years ago and is now worth five or $10. And all of a sudden, now I've got a stack of those, right? right. So don't, don't always completely... Um, dismiss those types of things as um, as worthless right away. You never know what they might what they might turn into. And the other thing is, I think it's foundational is there's money to be made on this hobby at all levels of the price ranges if Absolutely. you're willing to put in some work.
0: Yeah. And
1: if you just want something that is going to take you five minutes worth of time, I got this and I'm going to list it on eBay and it's going to take me five minutes yeah, it might be more challenging. But if you're able to put in some work to sort list and grind out those orders on, on places like sport lots, there's money to be made if you're willing to put in some work.
0: Yeah. And another thing, just piling on top of that, I think a lot of people say, yeah, well, filling out orders for eBay and sports lots, like, it's, it's too time consuming and time is money. Well, what else are you doing with your time? Are you, you know, playing video games, binge watching Netflix? Like it's, it's all a priority thing. And I understand where they're coming from, but like, I'm all in on this stuff. So there's, there's just nothing else I'd rather be doing than, you know, trying to grind away quarters into dollars into $10 into 20 into huge PC pieces.
1: Yeah. It's important to consider, right? Your time is still important, but like you said, if, if this is also something that you enjoy doing and it functions as somewhat of an entertainment for you as well well then that's a whole different story right that that your hourly rate in my opinion is really only relevant if you're talking about comparing the time that you're spending trying to make money on cards to another money-making venture that you could be doing, whether that's overtime at your main job, whether that's some other kind of side hustle, then yeah, it might be fair to compare what is my equivalent per hour rate with cards versus what I could be making at this other venture. But if it's the money that you're spending doing cards compared to like you said, binge watching Netflix or just screwing around, then like it's not really an apples to apples thing. It's kind of a false argument in my opinion.
0: I'm with you. And, uh, like the, I don't know about you. I'm speak for myself here. When, when you get to the point where you're just as excited about a 50 cent profit as you are a thousand dollar profit on a, on an item and anything in between, like, I think that's at the point where you're like, all right, I'm in.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I love that kind of stuff, but it's partially because I'm proving people wrong. Yeah. All of the, all of the naysayers who say there's no money in that you can't do anything like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm setting my all-time record sales in sport lots in the month of January and I'm not I'm going to be able to buy all kinds of cards that I want for my PC. I'm going to have money banked up to buy that next collection that walks into the shop or that reaches out on email. Because I was willing to put in a little bit of work. And so you can complain that there's that there's no money or that I'm not or you can assume that I'm not making any money on all these low-end cards, but the PayPal and the bank accounts
0: say differently, and I'm having a ton of fun doing it. Couldn't agree with you more, and once again, this is just transitioning perfectly into the next question I had. Talk a little bit about the misconceptions about uh, I guess money. You know we're talking a, lot of mo- talking a lot about money and that's a huge part of the hobby in my opinion. There's a big misconception about collectors versus investors, where you fall in the middle. Um, I've got my opinions, you know, I think sometimes like the collectors end up with the best stuff, the most valuable stuff, but even when there's a huge price tag that could be like life-changing money, they won't let go of it. Whereas opposed to the investors want to get rid of stuff too quick and don't realize the long-term opportunity. So just talk a little bit about some misconceptions about money, investors, collectors, etc.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot, I mean, that's a, a perennial argument that's really been coming up, especially over these last couple of years, but it's been there all along. You yeah. know, are sports cards an investment? Are they just a hobby? You know, does it qualify as an investment or not? And, you know, there's arguments on all sides of that. And I've kind of come to the point where it's like, I don't, I don't care what you call it because a lot of it you're just kind of nitpicking on terminology. But at the end of the day, There are some people that don't care about the financial aspect at all, and that's great. And there's others, you can't argue the fact that there is money to be made in the sports card world. And if it it comes down, in my opinion, to intention. I don't really care what you call it, if you call it an investment or not an investment. But if you're buying cards and some of those cards you have the intent to profit from, then there is a investment component, a business component, a money-making component, a speculation component, whatever you want to call it, there's a piece of that 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 comes to play when your focus is trying to make money and trying to to be intentional about making money. And I think the other thing is like many other things, there are some people that are trying to get rich quick yeah. and they're just trying to do something at, with as minimal work as possible just to try to catch a wave and get rich quick. And there's other people who are putting in the work to build something long-term and sustainable that can have legs, even if we have some peaks and valleys, ups and downs in whatever cycle we're in, in the sports card world. And that's the approach that I've tried to take. I'm not jumping in with a bunch of really expensive cards that I'm buying at the peak, I'm starting slow. And I built it over time and I used profits to buy those next things. I didn't use debt to buy those those next collections. That's a good point. And so as I've built my hundreds of thousands worth, cards worth of inventory, it's all paid for with profits. So even if we do crash out, my entire inventory has been paid for and anything else I get out of it is all profit. And that is a a fun way for me to do it. It's a risk, a low risk way for me to generate profits month after month. And I, I would definitely just reinforce that concept of starting slow, using your profits to buy those next things so that you're not dipping into your life money. You're not dipping into debt. You're not dipping into those types of things. And that can be done with the low end. It can also be done with higher end cards. Of course. But the key there is, using your success from past transactions to cover the cost of those future transactions.
0: Uh, So many different directions I can go with this. Like, uh, have you personally ever uh, taken money out of your PC to then fund the next purchase or buy something that, you know, you needed to take care of with real life stuff? Any situations like that? Because once again, I think sometimes um, I, I maybe only have like two or three pieces that I've just like, as Brett McGrath would call them, coffin cards. May, there's like mm-hmm. one or two. Most all of this stuff, like I want to keep it, but I, it's also like uh, if I find myself in a bind or just need some extra cash, I'll just get rid of it. I think a lot of times these hardcore collectors are a little too too clenchy on their items, so to speak. Um, but what's some examples in your life and your hobby life that that's come up?
1: Yeah, I, I, to be honest, not really. Uh, the the things that are in my own kind of PC, the things that I want to keep forever. Um, I've not really been in a situation where I've had to sell any of those to fund something new. Um, as I've built the inventory, that really the, the closest thing was when I did dip into some of our, our general kind of life savings to um, cover a portion of that um, shop purchase right. with the with knowing that the profits that I made for the first several months would be immediately going to repay that back to to kind of clear that um, loan from myself, if you want to call it that, you know, whatever. And and was able to do that within the first um, couple months of, of running the shop. And so it, it wasn't a, a huge amount that I needed to do that for. But if it's just a, a PC card that I want to add or something like that, you know, I will not buy it until I've got the money in my PayPal or um, now business checking from the shop in order to be able to cover that. And, and to some extent that's, that's meant that I've had to pass on a few collections that would have been pretty nice. And I could have done well with because I wasn't willing to um, compromise that approach. You know, that's one of the things, my wife does not question what I do with cards because I've had a five year track record now, of being profitable, and I've had that commitment that I'm not going to use our life money to to buy cards or take a chance or to gamble on something with this, and so I've built that credibility and that track record, and I've not been been uh, willing to compromise that commitment and that focus to be able to do it that way, and so I just I just haven't had, ran into that situation where where I've done that. I've just waited another month or two months or whatever it might be. Until um, I had built up that that fund to be able to cover the cost,
0: it's a great way to do it. That's kinda how I'm doing it i I don't like to go in debt for anything, even in you know real life stuff, let alone yep. cards and I think people just go too hard all in on something. I guess maybe I could make an exception if there was like the one piece that you needed to complete the ultimate grail or whatever and eh, maybe but yeah, for the most part, especially if you're you know getting it as inventory, like you said, buying out collections and stuff like that. Uh, last question, and this is kind of a broad question, lengthy question, and it ties everything we've been talking about together. So somebody, whether they're into baseball, basketball, wrestling, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, magic, uh, I don't know, star Wars, all the different types of cards that are out there. somebody's wanting to get into this, to build a PC, make some money, potentially do what you did and open a shop and not just open a shop right off. Uh, let's say they have zero dollars. What would you recommend and expect, and st- expect to start with, to get to where you are at for somebody who's just got nothing?
1: Yeah. So if if you're literally at zero dollars, um, if you've got any pieces in your collection right now that are not meaningful to you, I would start by starting to sell those, right? Um, or or if you if you're if it's none of those things, find something else around the house to sell and to to be able to get that seed money. But, but like I said, when I started this in 2016 and and started to get serious about it, it was some of the things from when I was a kid that I no longer cared about. And the first collection I bought was less than a hundred dollars. And so if assuming that you could come up with at least a little bit of something, there are collections on Facebook marketplace and Craigslist and um, those types of of things that um, you can pick up for less than a hundred dollars that have the potential to get you started um, with, with the buying and selling um, type of stuff. And so I, you know, I I think that's what I would recommend is starting with a few of the things in your own collection that you've already got that you don't really care about that, that aren't meaningful to you. Start with those and look for some small collections on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and that type of thing that are in that kind of $50, $100 um, type range. And if if you're dedicated to grind it up and do it that way, it, it's possible. But that's that would be my recommendation. Um, check the blowout forums um, at blowoutcards.com, their forums has a buy, sell trade section where there's a lot of times people are, are offering up, Hey, I've got a flat rate box of base and insert cards from the last several years. I'll send it to you for, you know, $40 delivered or whatever it might be. Um, that's another opportunity to find some of those lower end cards that people are willing to, to sell cheap that will allow you to, to get started. And then utilize some of the the sites like sport lots lets you, there's no listing fee at all on sport lots. And so you can stick stuff out there and see if, if people are willing to buy it and you put in the work and the commission all comes out after the fact. Um, and so there's, there's places like that, that are very low cost to get, get started. Um, but it takes some work to grind up an inventory big enough to where you can really start to make some money, but it's possible.
0: Two more questions that I just thought of as you were talking that also pertain to what you're talking about. Sure. When you're, when you're buying, and I think this will help people too, when you're buying collections, um, are you doing a lot of sight unseen stuff and given like a bulk price? And also, are you buying things that like, are you buying things like gaming cards or in their stuff that you're not as familiar with, but you're like, yeah, I can still make a profit on this based on the price.
1: Yeah, usually when I'm buying those collections, it's a big bulk price that, that we negotiate to, Um, I'll try to take a look at some of the, I don't know if you want to call it quote unquote nicer stuff or what's this box of top loaded stuff or these boxes are all just monster boxes full of cards, but this two row is all penny sleeved. You know, I'll look through those things to see what's in there. Um, I, I won't turn things away. If it, if there are some magic cards or some other entertainment cards that I'm not as familiar with, I won't turn them away because usually the price that I'm getting that stuff at as part of this big collection, it's not going to be meaningful to split it out and say, well, are you going to deduct $10 off of this $200 collection if I don't take those, you know, whatever. Yeah, Um, It's not usually worth it and it usually helps because they want to get rid of the whole thing, right? They they don't want to piece it out. And so I usually just take it all with me. Um, But yeah, I, I don't look through every card, but I try to get a feel for, all right, there's 10 monster boxes. Yeah, this stuff is from the 80s. All right, this stuff's from the early 90s. Oh, this stuff's from 2019, 2020. And this stuff's from the 60s. Yeah, let's let's jump on that, right? So right. I'll do a quick look to see the, the types of sets that are included, the, the types of cards that are included.
0: Um, but I don't go um, card by card by any means. And the last question as part of this major question, I just keep piling on. When you're buying these collections, there's a major misconception that you're buying junk wax base, you know, junk wax base baseball cards, and you're never going to sell those. I personally sell a ton of that stuff. I know you do too. So kind of just dispel that myth.
1: Yeah, that that is part of why I get the cards so cheap, right? Is because people assume that this, all these baseball cards from the 80s and 90s, um, are worthless and nobody cares about them and nobody wants them. And, you know, they're, they're just junk. Well, uh, yeah, no, I've got about 37,000 cards at the shop. Uh, no, I take that back about 150,000 cards at the shop. I was looking at in my, in the wrong column on my inventory spreadsheet that are all what I call quarter box cards. And predominantly they're all cards of some of those stars from the 80s and 90s. And I've got every weekend, people that come in and sit there for hours going through them, filling up 800 and 1600 count boxes and buying them from me. And I usually cut them a little bit of a deal. I don't sell them a quarter a piece when they're buying a thousand of them. But every weekend, there's people going through those because they love those players. They love the variety that comes from pursuing these lower end cards. And, um, you know, I'm selling hundreds and and or thousands of those junk wax era stars every weekend at the shop.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Mike, thanks you again for coming on the show. Uh, Hopefully everybody watching this is going to get a lot of information, no matter what kind of cards you're into. There's just so much fun to be had and a lot of money responsibly to be made that you can then just buy your own stuff with. And like you said, ultimately end up with a great collection that was free and just having fun building along the way. Let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, if anybody has any questions or they want to talk through things more with me, I'm happy to help. That's one of the reasons that I have the blog and that's why I do the podcast is to help other people do more of this type of thing. So reach out to me, please. Uh, the, the website is waxpackhero.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Mike Summer S-O-M-M-E-R, and uh, check out the, the podcast as well, the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It's available pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. I'd love to hear from you.
0: Thanks again, Mike, for joining me to have this great conversation. I hope that it helped a lot of you listening. I have a link to Mike's website in the show notes. Once again, I told you to check the show notes. Make sure to check out all of Mike's content. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. Share it with a friend, family, coworker wrestling fan, lapsed wrestling fan, sports card fan. Let's just get more people involved with the hobby. Leave me a question if you got a question. Let me know what you like, you don't like. And until next time, keep collecting, keep having fun. I'll see you later.